we weren't really the only ones that identified this challenge that advisors face. But it was really important to us when we were designing our marketplace that it wasn't a one-trick pony, right? It wasn't just putting a bunch of strategist models on a shelf that made it easy for advisors to adopt into their practice. That's a component, but it's not the only thing that our marketplace does. David Lyon's first job out of college was working for the Chicago Bulls during their last championship year with Michael Jordan still playing. A lot has happened in David's career since then, but he believes he's put together another dream team at his current wealth tech firm, Orange. I spoke with David about their model marketplace, how they can compete with free custodian models, why advisors are adopting more third-party investment solutions, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Welcome, friends, to the wonderful world of wealth tech. And this is episode 63 of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I'm in a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We're experts in everything related to wealth tech. We deliver growth oriented solutions to banks, broker dealers, asset managers, as well as technology providers through our premium advice and research. On this podcast, I speak with some of the smartest people in the industry who are on the leading edge of both technology and innovation. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode on your social media networks. I would really appreciate it. Welcome to this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. And on this episode, I'm happy to present David Lyon, the founder and CEO of fintech company Orange. Hey, David, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, And this is, it's been over a year, a year and three months since you were last on. You were on May of 2019. Time flies when you're having fun, right, Craig? Especially when we're having fun. <laughs> Let me tell you. That's right. So there's a lot to talk about, but uh, I wanted, well, I'm most interested in talking about uh, model marketplaces is going to be the focus of this episode. But before we do that, can you give us a 30-second elevator pitch on Orange? Orange is a platform that streamlines uh, portfolio management and client service. So, you know, you think about everything that happens in the back office from portfolio management, trading, rebalancing, our, our tools and our platform uh, handles all of that. Um, and in the front office, we help advisors connect with prospective clients. Um, so, you know, they can connect digitally with prospective clients without having to meet with them in person. Um, and really streamline the process to identify areas of opportunity that they can help a prospect with. Um, and then from a client uh, perspective, really the same thing, but it's, it's a little bit more involved, right? As the relationship is a little bit deeper when you're serving a client, 
um, and there's all the tools that they need to, you know, communicate, collaborate, and and service their clients as well. Excellent. So let's talk about your most recent reason why I thought it was interesting to get you on the program now, besides your, your platform, which is really interesting in general, but the model marketplace. So I've been doing a lot of writing on model marketplaces and research, and I think it's an interesting phenomenon uh, and a big change in how asset management is delivered to advisors. So can you talk a bit about why you guys started your own model marketplace? Yeah, we, we started our marketplace about three years ago. And it was really uh, something that we identified as a gap uh, between uh, the front office and the back office of an advisory firm. So, you know, one, one thing that we identified is that advisors were going into a variety of different tools for different functions, but they were all really kind of disparate and not connected. And so from the time that you go and you try to, you know, research a funder security, uh, and then you build a model, and then you assign that model to a client or a household, and then you decide to rebalance that model through to a custodian or a clearing firm, is is very disconnected, um, and is not is not seamless, and it doesn't save advisors time or efficiency, um, and that's where we kind of generally came up with the concept of a marketplace, and. You know, we we were one of the first. We're definitely not claiming that we were the first ones, but right around the same time that we came out with ours, uh, a couple of others came out with marketplaces right around the same time. So we weren't really the only ones that identified. I think that this this challenge that advisors face, um, but we it was really important to us when we were designing our marketplace that it wasn't a one trick pony. Right. It wasn't just putting a bunch of uh, strategist models on a shelf that made it easy for advisors to adopt into their practice. Um, that's a component of our marketplace, but it's not the only thing that our marketplace does. So whether an advisor wants to use uh, a third party managed model or sleeve strategy uh, through a couple of TAMPs that are partners of ours on the marketplace. Uh, if they wanted to take a strategist model and adopt that into their practice from one of uh, one of our asset manager partners, uh, or if they wanted to build a model themselves on the security level or the class level, they can do all three of those things uh, within our marketplace. Um, and the beauty of it is, is that it's really seamless um, from the time that you start to research, you know, different securities and funds to constructing your own model to evaluating, you know, kind of pre-built models um, or even, you know, using a combination of those two as well as a third-party managed solution. All of that is in one place instead of having to go to these disparate systems and platforms to go do those independently. Um, there's one single place that advisors can do that, uh, gain the efficiencies and user-friendliness of that. Um, and, and really just try to simplify advisors' life in the back office, right, is, is really kind of what it's all about. You notice the gap in the market. Can you explain a little bit more mm -hmm. about what that is? When you talk about third-party manager models, sleeve strategies, strategist models, if I'm at a broker-dealer, 
you know, the home office picks the models that I have available and I just pick one of those. Or if I'm an RIA, I just call up uh, an asset manager and, and get his model. So um, what makes it, what, what is the advantage of your marketplace versus what they had before? Why is it, why is it simpler and easier to use? Well, one, it, it's, it's fully, you know, in, integrated and embedded within the orange platform, right? So they're not going to a disparate system to build a model, import it into a rebalancer, rebalance it, right? And literally have to do that every single time uh, that, that you decide to make an allocation change. So, you know, it, it helps solve for that. Um, but every advisor runs their business slightly differently. Um, so it's really all kind of, you know, individualistic um, on the advisor part. But one of the things that we noticed was, was an advisor was going to like a TAMP platform for their third party managed solutions. They were going to an asset manager's mm -hmm. website to download a CSV file of their strategist model, right? Which then they have to upload to their portfolio management system and then download and upload to the rebalancer. Sometimes they're one in the same system. So, you know, we, we felt that there was kind of a gap there. Um, we also saw that there was a really low adoption, particularly in the independent RIA channel of third-party managed solutions. Um, and we're, we've, we've started to see and track an increase by independent RIAs of using third-party managed solutions. There's there's a lot of tailwinds in the industry, not just data we see internally at Orange. Um, and there is definitely significant tailwinds around asset managers coming out with their own models, right? But the majority of the industry still really act as rep as PM. And they're 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 building their own models. They 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 want to have that hands-on uh, aspect to portfolio management, investment management in their practice. And we don't want to have to make them choose one or the other. Um, we see value in all three of them. Um, I think sometimes it, it it comes down to ease of use and cost. And sometimes advisors feel like paying an extra ten or fifteen basis points to have a third-party managed solution isn't the right thing for their practice. Um, and they're, they're obviously, they're free to choose. We don't want to have to make them choose just to, you too. know, be able to use Building orange model in one and adopt orange into their importing practice. Importing into the rebalancer and then exporting it to the other platform, then switching them if you have all seven. And a lot of advisors will work with multiple, multiple different model providers, multiple TAMPs. And so going to the asset manager website, go to the TAMP, every TAMP has their own website or tools, you know, Firms like an asset mark has have their own portfolio construction tools for working with their platform. So yeah, it does. There becomes a lot of task switching or tab switching as they switch to click, click all the different tabs to get things done. So yeah, I definitely see it. There's been a lot, a lot of adoption. Um, or there are a lot more programs coming up, but we, we don't really know um, what the adoption is. So when you said you're seeing an increase in adoption of third-party manager solutions. Can you can you quantify what that increase is? You know, I can't. You know, there's in, internally we track it, but across the industry, and whether you're talking about the the broker dealer segment or the the independent RIA segment, 
Um, I just know a couple of years ago, I want to say it was some, somewhere around 6% of independent RIAs use third-party managed solutions, which is really low, um, you know, given, you know, how long TAMPs have been around. I think that, uh, you know, certainly looking at what's going on around the industry with a lot of acquisitions, particularly around the TAMP space, they're, they're, they're driving, I think, uh, you know, market growth um, just because mm. there's just so many different things to look at and think about as an advisor. Um, you know, I, not to put on my old advisor hat, but, you know, I, I, I literally was in the dark about even what a TAMP was after, you know, eight mm. years in the business. Um, so, I think that a lot of the consolidation that we're seeing of, you know, technology providers offering more investment management solutions within side of their ecosystems is, is going to help that trend. And I think there's a lot of value uh, for, for advisors, you know, who, who do decide to adopt third party managed solutions without giving up building it themselves or even leveraging the IP of some of the asset managers it's it's lifting up our our segment of financial services to really be in line with what you see at wirehouses right where if you go to a wirehouse uh and if you cracked open let's say a five million dollar household you're not going to see you know rep is pm models in there right you're going to see you know a little bit of third-party managed solutions you're going to see some strategist models you're going to see some custom solutions that maybe that advisor built and it's it's really i think giving independent advisors the same competitive uh solution set and toolbox that that advisors at wirehouses have had for for decades when i asked about the um percentages so of, of ria adopting third-party solutions I was interested in, in what you saw for your firm, but I know in general, when you said the 6% number, that rang a bell, because we, we actually did a, some research on this for another client. Um, and I think the number we found from Cerulli uh, in terms of portfolio construction was that it's around 12% now. Okay. Uh, that's just a snapshot. So we're saying it, it used to be six, now it's 12, as far as I know. So that's the doubling yeah. of use of third-party models, which is still small. Because I think 68% of advisors, this is all advisors, not just RIAs, but 68% use in-house models. Hmm. 60, 68% use in-house models, meaning like at, at a broker-dealer, like models that a broker-dealer creates? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. More, right. more or less like an OCIO, kind of internal OCIO kind of offering. There's a lot of value to that, you know, I think within independent broker dealers. And, and that's probably why, you know, a lot of advisors are attracted to them. Um, it's, a, you know, advisors that are independent RIAs are, are you know, slightly different breed, um, you know, where they want to be, you know, the asset allocator, the relationship manager, the asset gatherer, you know, you, you, you name it. Um, but I think, you know, just like in many other industries, you know, technology can can break down the barriers that have inhibited, you know, adoption um, for, for other types of products and services. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what we're trying to do. 
you know, uh, the strategist models that we offer on our platform don't add any basis mm. points uh, to the client's account or household. And, you know, obviously building it themselves doesn't either. Third party managed solutions do as well. Uh, they do add basis points. The third party managers, you know, do, do need to get paid. Um, but I think you're seeing the cost at least from a management fee perspective, uh, come down on those uh, quite a bit. You know, you can you can find them for for under ten basis points, um, which is significantly lower, you know, than just a couple of years ago. But um, you know, and and I think you're going to start to see some other creative solutions. Everyone is rethinking their business today. Um, you know, strategists within the industry who would get paid for their own IP just to build models, right? They're not managing anything. They're just handing over the blueprint to the advisor on what to do. I think that you're starting to, you're going to start to see uh, a lot of the strategists, I think, start to come out with some, some interesting offerings as well. I want to take a break from this episode to talk about one of our sponsors. The Invest in Others Charitable Foundation recognizes individual advisors and advisory firms that are making a difference by donating their time and money to causes they care about. By sharing their stories and awarding funding to these organizations, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation builds critical visibility, encourages others to get involved, channels additional resources to those in need, and highlights the important work being championed by the financial services community. Over the past 12 years, thanks to the ongoing support of both corporate sponsors and individual donors, uh, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation has helped to shine a light on the financial industry's good works, bringing greater recognition to a wider range of professionals from wirehouses and independent broker-dealers to RIAs, while partnering with charities across a spectrum of causes. I'm uh, part of the Invest in Others Foundation uh, group of volunteers, and I've been uh, fortunate enough to be on some of their judging committees to help allocate funds to some of these charities, and it is tough. There, there are some amazing charities, and trying to decide between three or four uh, incredible causes is difficult. It would be easier if we had more money. So if you can donate and get your company to match your donation, that would help uh, everyone at the foundation be able to distribute more charitable funds to uh, charities all around the world to help uh, these good deeds continue to get done. So please go to investinothers.org, investinothers.org today and make a donation. We would all appreciate it. Thanks. When I was, when I was going through your website and looking at the different functionality of your marketplace, uh, it looks like it's there's a lot of integration here. Uh, and I know you um, purchased um, a rebalancing software from Trade Warrior. So we say simplify rebalancing. That's where that's going. When you when you bring your download the model, then goes into what used to be Trade Warrior. That's now integrated into Orange. Yeah, yeah. We, um, you know, they Trade Warrior had built a, a a really robust trading platform that that was uh, initially a desktop app, and uh, they moved that desktop app into the cloud. And just just before we 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 acquired it. And it, it still needed uh, quite a bit of work. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say we, we rebuilt probably about 65% of the application. Um, 
we did a lot of uh, UI and UX work on the front end of the application um, to make the workflows more streamlined and seamless. And we re-architected it um, just from, you know, a backend architecture perspective. So it would just run faster and handle more accounts. So um, we've been, we've been really pleased with, with how it's turned out and, um, you know, advisors who never used rebalancing software in the past, or maybe use something that was provided by their custodian, um, have, have, have really loved the platform. In, in my former days as an advisor, I, I was guilty of that. I was guilty of being the advisor with a spreadsheet, um, you know, and, uh, you know, wish I had something like what we have today. You know, there were rebalancing platforms out there, but they were so expensive that I was, I, you know, I, I felt like my money would be spent better someplace else. But, uh, and that was an incorrect, an incorrect assumption that I made. Um, but I think that the, it's a hard piece of software to educate advisors on the value of, right. In general, until you start to use it, you know, uh, it's kind of, I know you're an Apple guy, I'm an Apple guy, but you know, it's like, uh, when they first came out with the Apple wallet, I thought that that thing was, uh, so unneeded. Right. And then you start to use it and you're like, this makes my life so much easier. It's amazing. Rebalancing software is, is really the same thing. You know, um, it just, it makes it easier, more efficient. You know, everything can be tracked. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it, it's been great. And, and, you know, the, the team, our team has done an amazing job uh, of, of rebuilding that platform and, and making it really user-friendly for advisors. So you don't have to sell me on the benefits of rebalancing. I'm a big proponent having built the rebalancer for another company many years ago when I first got into wealth management. So and understand the complexity and they've gotten more and more functional over the years. But going back to model marketplaces, do you see a model marketplaces? Now there's a lot of them out there and we've been writing about them and covering them in different parts. And everyone seems to have one now. Do you think a model marketplace is going to be table stakes for any firm offering a, a wealth platform to advisors these days? That's a really good question. It, it, de it depends on the application, right? Um, I, you know, I think it's table stakes with anything that involves portfolio management, rebalancing or trading. Um, you, you really are not going to be able to have those types of applications uh, without some kind of marketplace, you know, kind of inserted into the mix. Yeah, I'm seeing that too. Uh, it seems like everyone feels that they, they need that. And then that's going to, without putting a squeeze on asset managers, because not every model marketplace is going to have access to every asset manager. So will you be limiting the asset managers in your marketplace to only a certain number of each type, or you're going to be open any asset manager that wants to get on or any advisor that wants a particular asset manager, you'll, you'll put them in the marketplace. We have uh, our, our goal is to not be a supermarket, but to, to have really the, the best of breed. Um, we don't do any due diligence on the asset managers in our marketplace. Um, we leave that up to the advisors. That's what they do for a living. Um, but we do, um, you know, it, it, it's a mutual selection process, right? Um, we're not sitting there 
uh, picking out the ones that we want. Um, but we do go through a process that's fairly involved and we want to make sure it's a good fit. And, you know, largely that kind of at the highest level is, are, are you looking to help advisors with more than just your investment solutions? Um, do you believe in taking a holistic approach to the relationships that you have with uh, your advisors? Um, and, you know, if, if they're a good fit, just from an overall way of how they view the industry, um, you know, then we kind of go into the, the second phase of our discussions with them. And, you know, ultimately, it's, it's just like any other type of partnership, right? It's not just predicated on how much money they are going to pay us or, you know, how much product do they want to move through a marketplace. Um, it's got to really stem from what their overall ideology is of how they approach their business. And, uh, and that's where we find the best partnerships. Um, and, you know, we've been, we've been really lucky. I mean, we have some of the top asset managers in the country, um, but we also have some boutique ones, right? Ones that we think add a lot of value to advisors. Um, we recently brought on uh, Robo Global, uh, which again is a boutique manager. Um, and they're really hyper-focused in on just having ETFs that are in the technology space. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a really, really nice addition. Um, do they bring hundreds of ETFs to the table? No, but they bring, an e they bring, you know, an investment solution to the table that, you know, honestly today, if you look at what's propping up the S&P 500, it's technology, right? And you look at, you look at their, their Robo Global's performance relative uh, just to any index, you know, they're, they're outperforming everybody, right? And it's not going to slow down anytime soon, right? I mean, if anything, you know, unfortunately, the current situation in our country is, is you know, a little challenging with, with you know, the pandemic and, and going on. And, you know, but I think it's educated people about the need for technology, right? Not, not just fintech and what we're talking about here within wealth management, um, but in every part of their lives. And uh, it's only it's only getting stronger. So, you know, we continually, you know, look for, you know, unique managers like that, um, because we think that there's a good value proposition to advisors that may not have otherwise given them a second look or even a first look. So something you mentioned, um, just want to get go to the next level down here. So I understand it's, you said it's a mutual selection process. Are they a good fit? But you mentioned you're looking for best of breed, but you don't do the due diligence. So how are you finding best of breed without doing due diligence? And then when you, when I'm just going to question what do you mean by due diligence? Obviously you're not recommending models, right? Correct. But are you checking, for example, mm -hmm. how long they've been in business, what their, who their management team is, how are you, how are you defining that they're best of breed besides that they're a good fit for you? Is there any other, what, what, is, what is involved in your process to verify that they're the best of breed? So we're not getting, we're not looking into their management team. Um, you know, any of the 12 to 15 things that, um, you know, other companies kind of hold themselves out as doing due diligence, right? Um, you know, when we, when we look at best of breed, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, what is their position in the marketplace? 
um, certainly some semblance of how long they've been in business, things along those lines, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the majority of our, our managers, you know, are in the top quartile within the industry. Um, something that, something that we look at. Um, but we're looking at it more through the lens of how is this providing value to the advisor? Um, and, you know, we think just because they may not be in the top quartile today, or they may not have as much assets, uh, you know, under management as another one. Um, we're also looking at, you know, where are we within a market cycle, um, you know, being somewhat thematic and what's, what would potentially add value to an advisor's practice that maybe they wouldn't have uncovered otherwise. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's a very subjective, um, process that we go through. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to provide advisors with choice. Um, you know, they can certainly go outside of our partners. Um, we do have a premium upgrade path, um, where if an advisor wants to have a manager that is not partnered with us through the free part of our application, they can pay us a a subscription fee to unlock the marketplace and use whatever managers or, or, you know, funds or securities, uh, that they want to use. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're still very open architecture, um, who we choose to partner with, um, you know, is a very subjective process. Um, but in no way do we hold ourselves out as saying, you know, these managers have the orange stamp of approval. Um, we, we, we're, we're a technology company. We do have a, a, a major, uh, passion for investing, but we, we definitely do not advise on that. One thing we'd mentioned earlier, which, which you just brought up, I wanted to talk about was you're, talking about you're paying a subscription to unlock the marketplace. And you said it's like an in-app purchase on your phone. That's, that's an interesting analogy. And I think Orange is unique in that you have a freemium model. I don't know any other tech vendor that, besides custodians, that if you custody with them, they give you the software. But that's not really free. You're giving them assets, which they're then, they are then making money on those assets. But your your software, when you say freemium, it's really free. So, how how does this in-app purchase work to unlock the marketplace? So, really, from from the start, it's free to sign up. Um, advisors can onboard uh, at their own pace without having you know subscription meter running, uh, which we identified early on is is really one of the big uh, inhibitors for advisor to adopt kind of new modern technology, right? Which is, you know, the barriers are, you know, time and money. We just, we want to make it easy for advisors to adopt new technology. So that was the premise of going to the freemium model. Um, and then, you know, once they've signed up and, and, and we've automated a lot of the onboarding process, there is a couple of kind of manual things that have to be done. Um, we try to take as care of as much of that as possible for the advisor. And then they can go in and they can build models, right? They can invite their clients and prospects to use the portal and connect with them digitally. Um, and then, you know, from there, if they, if there's not a manager or a fund family, uh, you know, in our marketplace that they want to use, they can choose to upgrade. Uh, which unlocks that marketplace and then they can build 
you know, whatever types of investment solutions with, a, with whatever funds or securities that they want to. Um, and it's, it's really a, kind of a, a no pressure kind of situation for advisors. Um, they can do it at their own speed. They can choose to use our partner funds and models if they want to. If they don't want to, um, you know, they pay us. There's a subscription of uh, like $4,700 a year, you know, that, that they would pay us on the firm level, regardless of how many advisors or how many assets or clients that they have. For that, they get, you know, portfolio management system, rebalancer, client portal, account aggregation, and, um, you know, they, they, have, they have a pretty nice tech stack there. It sounds like it. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a unique offering. Uh, and I don't see a lot of people copying it. So, but I, I expect there to be soon some firms copying it. Um, de- de- depending on if, if they start losing clients to you guys, they'll start copying that. But you mentioned custodians before. And there are more custodians launching model marketplaces. Like TD Ameritrade has a model marketplace. Um, I don't well, I, I want to say Morningstar. Morningstar is not a custodian, but Morningstar is also very big in the market. And they've also announced a, a free model marketplace. So do you see those? Uh, and of course, all of your clients who are using your, your product have to have a custodian. So now they have a, a custodian's model marketplace as well as the orange model marketplace. So do you see that as a competitor? Does that conflict anyway, or are they complementary? I think that they're they're competing in some ways. Uh, it would be a little silly for me to say that they wouldn't be competing. <laughs> um, but, uh, y- you know, I-, I think everybody has their own um, kind of different flavors of ice cream, if that's a halfway decent analogy, um, you know, of, of kind of comparing that. Um, you know, the marketplaces that we've seen from custodians are really just focused in on strategist models right? Where if an advisor wants to lift a model off the shelf from an asset manager and utilize it um, with their clients' accounts, they can do that. Um, We've taken slightly a different approach where that's, you know, a component of it alongside of, you know, the the other investment options that, that I mentioned earlier, you know, and it just, it comes down to, you know, how good of a, of a feature set are you providing to the advisor? Um, you know, so, you know, how good is the, how easy is the rebalancer to use, right? How cumbersome is it? Um, these are all things that we spend every minute of the day thinking about. Um, and that's at the top of our minds and that's the business that we're in. Uh, we are not in the business of clearing and custodying assets, right? It's very difficult. I'm sure you can appreciate this from your seat. It's very difficult to be good at both of those things. Right. Um, so, you know, it's advisors have to get in, they have to, you know, choose and they have to, you know, find out what works for their practice. But there's, there's, there's competition everywhere. You know, custodians are, are trying to ramp up their game from a technology perspective. Um, you know, technology companies like ours are, uh, you know, making a, making a move to be, not just a feature, but a platform. Um, and we're not the only ones out there doing that. Um, you know, I, I think other technology companies out there see the need for it um, because, you know, custodians have lagged behind so far. 
right, with, with a lot of their technology. Um, is it going to always be that way? No. But, you know, in 18 months, Craig, you and I are going to be talking about some other feature or some other benefit, right? So it, it's, it's always a, a moving target with technology. It's just who can stay on top of it the best. Well, that's why people need consultants. Because technology is always changing, or technology <laughs> consultants, because it's always changing. If it doesn't change, they wouldn't need us. And if it worked as well as people said it did, they wouldn't need us either. Uh, but do you plan on staying a technology company? Do you ever plan on uh, becoming an RIA or sort of a pseudo TAMP? No, no, we're we're going to always be a technology company. Um, you know, that's that's what we're good at. And, uh, that's, that's where our passion is. And I think that's where we feel like we can make the biggest difference. There's, you know, there, there's, there's no end of, uh, you know, camps out there and, uh, custodians and, you know, and there's no shortage of, of other folks that want to enter the custodial space either. You know, I, I think that's going to be an interesting development to watch, um, some of the new entrants, some of the big institutions who are going to start to get into the, the you know, the, the RIA custodian business. Um, so we're, we're, we're happy just trying to blaze a trail of being a, a technology company to help advisors, you know, run a, run a, a more efficient business and better serve their clients. That's, that's where we feel we can make the biggest impact. Um, before we wrap, I just want to just talk about uh, when we when we talked last year, we really got deep into your life before Orange, and when you worked at Live Nation and did a lot of uh, live concerts and met great bands like Guns N' Roses. And when are we going to be able to go to concerts again? They're starting. Uh, I'm really happy you brought that up. <laughs> they, they're 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 starting to. Um, they're do. I don't know if you've seen this, Craig. They're doing drive-in concerts. Have you seen or heard yeah, about this? I saw in England they did a concert where I saw in England. I just saw a picture on Twitter that they had little booths for each little family on this huge field in England. They did a live concert. Everyone had their own little like walled off, like fenced off little area with with tables and chairs. But it was all yeah, separate. yeah. I you know um, in Chicago um, maybe about three weeks ago or so they did a drive-in concert, um, you know, in, in downtown. Um, it makes it challenging, you know, concerts as we know them uh, in arenas and clubs, I think are not going to be back. Yeah, mosh mosh pit. Pit, like, but, you know, the, I, I think it's going to be a while till those concerts come back. Um, you know, I think promoters and artists are being hopeful. Uh, a lot of them are rescheduling, you know, their, their tours for next summer. Um, hopefully they'll be able to tour, but I think you're going to see more, there's going to be a rebirth of the outdoor amphitheater. Let's just put it that way. Right. They were, they were, they yeah. have the outdoor amphitheater in the eighties and nineties were really big deals. Um, and then they kind of went away cause there weren't too many artists that could fill a 30,000 seat outdoor amphitheater in whatever mm -hmm. city you live near. Um, and uh, and they started to get smaller. Concerts started to get smaller. Now they're going to get bigger and be in outdoor amphitheaters. And at least in the near future, they'll be driving <laughs> driving concerts. Um, <laughs> but I, I I hope it gets back there. I, I think that you know the world needs more music uh, and and more reasons to come together now. 
and uh, and sharing those experiences. And it's 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 unfortunate that we can't do that right now. But um, you know, the one thing that you can count on with the music industry is to innovate and to adapt and to change. And and we've seen them we've seen that industry do that you know over and over again over the last fifty years. So. Why shouldn't they have to change? We're, we we got to change, so they got to change too. That's right. That's right. All right, David. We could keep going on, but I got to cut us off uh, and this episode. We'll have to pick up next time. I uh, really appreciate you coming out and getting this call going and, and spend some time uh, getting us up to speed on what's new at Orange. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, you got it. Anytime, Craig. Hey, it's Craig again. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Uh, I really feel model marketplaces are becoming a a bigger, bigger part of uh, asset management delivery, another channel. Uh, Every tech vendor seems to have them. And while they're, they're, I don't know the market share numbers, but I feel that they're growing just based on the word on the street we're hearing from a lot of the the firms we're speaking with. So wanted to hear from from David and, and how Orange is doing with their model marketplace. Uh, you know, it's always good to hear uh, information from uh, different vendors and different perspectives. I like how they see their marketplace not as a supermarket, but more best of breed. They're giving more access to, to advisors and sort of stepping stepping back, which is a, a very different uh, way of doing things compared to, say, how a TAMP would work. But it's all about choice and all about giving advisors and RAs and broker-dealers uh, more options for bringing in investment, different investment intellectual property. Uh, the custodian marketplace is a little touched on about how they're doing rebalancing and how that's going with their, their purchase of Trade Warrior. So all in all, a uh, good update from Orange. Uh, good to hear what's going on with them. And before I forget, please remember to give us a five-star review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it and it would help us with our distribution and getting more people to hear this podcast. And if you hear any, if you know of any uh, people you'd like us to interview, please uh, shoot me an email at craig at ezragroupllc.com. And I'll talk to everyone again next time.